Hi, this is Jerry Lanska, and thank you for once again tuning in to the Anointed Nachos podcast. The message today is about meekness, and it's a message that isn't spoken about a whole lot, but it's just as important as all the other fruits of the Spirit. It's something that needs to be developed in our lives to live complete and whole in Christ, and I'm just going to jump right into it. One function of meekness or humility as it can also be called, is to cause believers to be slow to give or to take offense. In 1 Peter 2, 19 through 20, it talks about, for God is pleased when, conscience of his will, you patiently endure unjust treatment. Of course, you get no credit for being patient if you are beaten for doing wrong, but if you suffer for doing good, and endure it patiently, God is pleased with you. The power to exercise self-control while suffering injustice comes from developing meekness. Just think about Daniel in the lion's den. You know, when a law was made by people who wanted to catch him doing something which was even good, praying to his God that he was thrown into the lion's den for it. And he didn't just come out of his prayer closet, you know, grabbing his sword and cursing and ready to fight, you know, those who wanted to do him wrong. He just trusted in God that he's doing everything right. And even though this injustice was done against him, he just believed that God was going to be there for him and deliver him. In Numbers 12, 1 through 13, it talks about Miriam and Aaron. It says they criticized Moses because he had married a Cushite woman. They said, has the Lord spoken only through Moses? Hasn't he spoken through us too? But the Lord heard them. And now Moses was very humble, more humble than any other person on earth. So immediately the Lord called to Moses, Arian, and Miriam and said, go out to the tabernacle, all three of you. So the three of them went to the tabernacle. Then the Lord ascended in the pillar of cloud and stood at the entrance of the tabernacle. Aaron and Miriam, he called, and they stepped forward. And the Lord said to them, Now listen to what I say. If there were prophets among you, I, the Lord, would reveal myself in visions. I would speak to them in dreams, but not with my servant Moses. Of all my house, he is the one that I trust. I speak to him face to face, clearly not in riddles. He sees the Lord as he is. So why were you not afraid to criticize my servant Moses? The Lord was very angry with them, and he departed, and the cloud rose. And as the cloud moved from above the tabernacle, there stood Miriam, her skin as white as snow, from leprosy. And when Aaron saw what had happened to her, he cried out to Moses, O my master, please don't punish us for the sin we have so foolishly committed. Don't let her be like a stillborn baby, already decayed at birth. So Moses cried out to the Lord, O God, I beg you, please heal her. Moses had a humble heart even when his own brother and sister said false and slanderous things about his character. So this is interesting. Um, Moses, even though people were speaking negative things against him, you know, his own brother and sister, he cried out to the Lord for them. He remained humble, a humble heart, and stood before the Lord with a pure heart and basically asked the Lord to forgive them and heal them. To heal Miriam and it's a humble thing to intercede for someone when they're giving offense. I like in verse 8 when God 
you know, asked the question, why were you not afraid to criticize my servant Moses? And so even right now today, we can say the same thing, like, why are we not afraid to criticize men and women of God? You know, we might not agree with everything that everyone does or says, but if they're doing things and following the Lord and love the Lord and doing what they can and what they believe is right, like, who are we to criticize them? Maybe God is speaking to them and having them do something a little different way than like what we would do at our church or, or with our group. And we just need to be real careful about speaking negative things against men and women of God, even if we might not agree with everything. Just do what we're called to do. Focus on ourselves and not so much on other people. It's when we really start focusing on others is when we can get in trouble with their tongue. We just start criticizing things the way we see things are done because they're not done the way we want them to be. And Second Timothy 2, 24 through 26, says, a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone, be able to teach, and be patient with difficult people. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts, and they will learn the truth. Then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap, for they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. So just think about this. A lot of people spend their time online trying to argue their point or their side. And it's really rare where you would come into an argument or a, a big debate online, whether it's Facebook or Twitter or whatever social media platform there is, and you just want to put in your two cents, and hopefully that everyone there is going to just going to go along with your thoughts and opinions. But we just need to be careful to gently instruct, the word says, those who oppose the truth. Even people who are negative and slanderous towards the gospel and against Jesus, we just need to intercede and pray for them and gently instruct with truth. God wants us to not return evil for evil, but to use those opportunities to pray for those who offend you. If you don't keep your heart humble when bringing in the word, you can fall into the same trap of the devil that they're in. 2 Timothy 3.12 says, yes, and everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. All that live godly lives suffer persecution, and we need humility. We must not let offenses stop us from witnessing or sharing the gospel, or how will the earth be salted and your light continue to shine? Another function of meekness is to give us the ability to stay humble in spirit and be sober in mind. As you develop humility, you will have the attitude that the welfare of others is more important than your own, which brings freedom. Moses offered to lose his salvation instead of the people that he was with and leading when they made the golden calf. That's a great example of self-sacrifice. In Exodus chapter 32, verse 30 through 32, Moses said to the people, you have committed a terrible sin. But I will go back up to the Lord on the mountain. Perhaps I will be able to obtain forgiveness for your sin. So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Oh, what a terrible sin that these people have committed, that they have made gods of gold for themselves. But now, if you will only forgive their sin, but if not, erase my name from the record you have written. Galatians 6 1 says, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back into the right path 
and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. When we restore people into the Lord, it's to mend completely in the continuous present tense, which requires patience and perseverance. Another function of meekness is to enable us to be teachable. We want to stay teachable and correctable. And in James 1, verse 21, says, So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. So we need to stay humble, knowing that the word that we're learning is going to get planted in our hearts. And if we allow it to, it will change us, to tweak us, to correct us, take out what doesn't belong and put in what does. It'll let us have more of the character and nature of Christ in us when we allow it to change us and work in our lives. But it's when we become unteachable and think that we have everything made and that we have arrived and we know all the answers, then that word isn't going to be able to correct us and get us back on the right path, even if we're off by a little bit. And the greatest obstacle for developing a teachable spirit is religion. In Mark chapter 7, verse 9, it says, Then he said, You skillfully sidestep God's law in order to hold on to your own tradition. Verse 13 says, And so you cancel the word of God in order to hand down your own tradition. So there's teachings that we can get into our church doctrines that aren't even from the word, and it's just the way like we do things in this church or the way that it was passed down to us or we've seen someone else do and it works. We, we're going to take on that tradition and do it ourselves. And that can really be a hindrance to learning the word, receiving the word, and changing our patterns and behaviors according to what the word says by our traditions, the things we've always done, the way we've done it. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 and 17 says, All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. If we're not teachable, we're going to become religious and end up with things in our lives that Jesus doesn't want us to have. So I have a few action items here to go along with this message. Action number one, do a pride check. Just ask the Lord to show you areas of your life where you may be having pride and you're not letting go of that pride. You need to get it out and become humble in every area of your life. Action number two, has there been any person who recently offended you by something they have done or have said? Tell the Lord that you forgive them and just release these offenses so that you can move forward with a peace of mind. Forgiveness isn't letting someone know that it's okay to do what they did. Forgiveness is an action to let go. It's like in a court system where you would not hold any charges against somebody even though they might have done something terrible and wrong, but you don't hold it against them, and you forgive them and let it go, you drop the charges. And what that does is it opens up your heart to not let that offense sink in and become bitter. Because when bitterness gets in, there's gonna be a pain attached to that, and 
a twisting of the mind where it's negative thoughts all the time anytime you think of this person or what they said or did and it'll just keep getting worse and you need to release those things and let forgiveness take over and grab a hold of your heart it's important to be a quick forgiver just determine right now that you want to be a quick forgiver because it's not about the other person it's about you allowing your heart to stay right with God and the third action item is to pray ask the Lord to help you remain with the teachable spirit in order to hear the word and to use it to change your ways of thinking I'll just say an example prayer here dear Lord Jesus I just pray Lord that when I hear your word that it brings excitement and joy and truth and I believe that your word is the truth and that it supersedes everything that I believe any ways that I have needs to go if it doesn't line up with your word so Lord I just pray that when I hear your word that my heart is good ground good soil for the word is like a seed and it gets planted and it can grow and produce and germinate like a seed does and become healthy and that my ways can change and my attitudes can be tweaked and anything that's ungodly not from your word and not lining up with your word can come out when I attach your word into my heart and let it grow and conform to it so I thank you Lord God that I will have a teachable and correctable heart in your name Jesus amen well thank you for listening to this podcast about meekness I can't wait to jump in and share more on this subject with you soon anointed nachos stuck in all the